The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. We all get lost sometimes. Our hearts lose their peace and become restless when they wander away from the God who made us. We get lost sometimes and uh, we can't find our way home. But that's why Jesus calls out to us today that no matter how we lost our way, he calls out to us today to find ourselves again in our Father's care. A care that never stops seeking, that never stops its restless search to bring us home. Jesus told a parable to some people who did not love the lost like he did. Religious leaders who could not believe that he was willing to identify with the big sinners of society. So Jesus told them a parable about two sons. We all have experience with the younger son, right? Maybe you know somebody who's just like him. Maybe it's somebody that you love. All of us, though, have experience of identifying with that younger son, at least during the, uh, during the real, the cold, the self-evaluative periods where we're honest with ourselves. We can see ourselves in the younger son. It was an absolutely unbelievable request, right? I mean, who does this? Basically, this son says to his dad, I don't want to wait around for you to die, so could we just get on with it? I would like to enjoy myself with your money, so how about we just pretend and act like you're dead? Give me my share of the estate. You know, what he wanted, of course, was to live life on his terms, to do what he wants when he wants it. And I tell you what, there was no way he was going to stick around the old homestead once he got that money. No, he wanted freedom. He wanted to be free from the do's and the don'ts. He wanted to be free from expectation. He wanted to be free from restraints. He didn't want to have to explain himself to anyone anymore. And he also wanted to be free of the smothering love and the sad eyes of his father over the breakfast table every morning. Oh, he wanted freedom. So he took the money, and off he went. Off to spend his daddy's prize and to have his freedom. And, you know, he had some sort of freedom for a while. There was no one with expectations around him, no one to tell him yes or no. He was living a life without rules. He could have sex when he wanted to. He could have relationships that were disposable. He could have opportunity to live with no one judging him. When you hear this story, the surprising part is not that he burned through the money. I mean, anybody that makes this chain of poor decisions obviously is lacking some sound judgment. The surprise isn't that he burned through the money. The surprise is the ironic place he found himself. He wanted freedom. That's not what he found. Seeking to be free he ended up being enslaved to things that could never fulfill, ever. I mean, think about it. Uh, 
The moment in the story of Jesus comes when the money runs out and the famine strikes. He's out of money. And all of a sudden it says this. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. The great irony of the story is that this young man who didn't want to be connected at all to his loving father ended up having to bind himself to a stranger out of necessity, right? You hear those lines? He longed to eat the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Yeah, no one gave him anything. You know who the last person to give him anything was? His father, the one he ran from to try to find freedom. Here's the thing, sin never delivers on its promises. It can't. It won't. Sin doesn't deliver. You know, what he went looking for was freedom. All he found were chains binding him to darkness. He wanted to be free of his father, and he found himself chained to loneliness and despair. Because you see, what sin offers you, it never delivers on. It can't. And so here you see this man hits rock bottom. You find him in a pigsty. He went from being the second son of a landed estate to being the hireling of a foreigner tending to pigs that no good Jew would want to be anywhere nearby. But it's there in the pigsty where he finally comes to the realization of what he'd done. He, in his quickness to search for freedom, he had overlooked all the goodness of his father. In his desire to be without rules, he had overlooked the one person who loved him more than anything. He resolved to go back. And he had a three-point plan in his mind. I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Most important one, though, did you hear the first one? He wasn't going back just because things didn't work out. He's going back because he recognized I've sinned against heaven and against you. I recognize that me trying to scramble for my freedom wounded everyone around me. I grieved my Lord. I sinned against you. It's there in that pigsty where he finally came to a moment of repentance. Do you see yourself in the younger son? That's my story. My guess is it's yours too. What is Jesus teaching you with that story today? There's another son in the story, though, the older son, the one who didn't go and waste his father's money, the one who stayed, did the responsible thing. I don't know about you, I've heard the story of the prodigal son many, many times over my life, over the course of my life. If you have two, Perhaps you've had the same experience I've had. When I was younger, I used to much more quickly identify with the young son, the one who ran away. But as I've gotten older, I identify more and more with the older son. He was the good boy. He was the one who stayed where he was supposed to stay, the one that got up and did the work every day on the farm, the one who was responsible, the one who did not go and lose himself in sex with people he shouldn't have or drugs that shouldn't have belonged to him. 
He is the one that stayed there and made a stand for things that were right and for things that were wrong. God loved me, had some morals. I can identify with the older son, too. Yeah, and in this story, when the young son comes home, where's the older son? He's in the field working. Where else would you expect to find him, right? Paul Wendland wrote a, a great little few paragraphs about getting into the mind of that older son. This is what he wrote. Oh, and can't you just feel his rage when he realizes that all he's built his life on, all the past years of toil and sweat, have been nothing but a cheat and a lie. Here he's been working as hard as he can to maintain proper standards, to become deserving of his father's love. And he thought he was deserving. But in an instant, all that was swept away. Servant comes and says, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And in the background, the band plays on. You know why he's angry, right? You know why he's raging. I mean, he says it right to his father's face. All these years I've been slaving away, you've never even given me so much as a young goat to go out and have a party with my friends. But this younger son of yours comes back, and you kill the fattened calf for him. Here I've been working as hard as I can to earn your love, and you just give it away to slobs, people that don't deserve it. What good is it? What good is any of it? What you've done is you've made a mockery of all my work. You've made a mockery of any kind of standards of right and wrong, of good and evil. You know, uh, some get lost running away from home. And some get lost without ever taking a step. Staying right at home in the house of their father. That's maybe the biggest danger for you if maybe you're someone who's been going to church for a long time. Maybe you're somebody who's committed to the work of Christ in this world. Maybe you begin to think about the efforts that you put in, the study, the commitments, the sweat, the tears, and you start thinking how much more of a commitment that is than other people put in. And then you might start to remember that you do hold yourself to higher standards than a lot of other people, don't you? And all of a sudden, you find a spirituality that is not revolving around God, but is revolving around you and your performance. You know, some people get lost by running away from home, and some people get lost by not taking a step outside their father's house. As soon as grace isn't amazing, then we don't know grace. And there is no one so lost as someone who thinks they never needed finding. You know, these two sons, the younger son and the older one, we can see ourselves in them, can't we? Um, but you know, what about the father? The, in Christian circles, this parable is always called the prodigal son. I always think that's not a great name. First of all, because nobody knows what the word prodigal means, but prodigal means to be overly generous. Like this younger son went, he was overly generous with daddy's money. That's prodigal. The other problem is it makes it sound like there's just one son. But there's two in each of us. And I actually think uh, the main point of this story that Jesus is making isn't the young son or the older son. 
The point is the father. And the father is the one who is truly prodigal. Think about this father. Overly generous with his love. Your son comes and demands that you split the estate, and you agree. Your son comes back, and when you meet him at the gate of your property, what do you say, this kid? You say, I told you so. Right? Yeah, the real world's a little harder than you thought it was going to be, isn't it, Junior? Or what would we do? We'd probably be like, you can come back, you can live in the, in the above the garage, but you're on probation. We'll see how this works out for a few months and see if this come to Jesus thing is real or not, right? But I'm, I'm going to withhold some of my trust until I see some of your performance, and that's not at all the picture of the father in this parable. Jesus draws a picture of a father so prodigal with his love that when his son is a long way off, he sees him because he was watching for him, waiting for his son to come home. And then he runs to him. We have a prodigal God, a God who runs to us when we come back to him. And then Jesus says, he threw his arms around him. He kissed him. He said, get a ring, get a robe, kill the calf. Every one of these things has huge significance, right? The hug and the kiss shows that this son was forgiven completely, totally, no probation period. Bring the best robe and put it on him. No more pigsties for you. He restores his dignity as a son. Put a ring on his finger, a signet ring. That meant that he wasn't just restoring his dignity, he was restoring his authority, a true son. Put sandals on his feet. It was slaves that went barefoot, not sons. Kill the fattened calf. I want the whole community to know my son is returned, restored, and is everything I could have ever hoped for. We have a prodigal God. But the other son, the father wasn't just concerned for the younger one. When the older son refused to come into the celebration, what do we see the father do? Again, he goes. He seeks. He tries to restore his relationship with his son. Both sons thought they could have freedom apart from a relationship with their father. And both of them found themselves stuck in slavery to things they could never fulfill. And so here goes this prodigal father, again, with the seeking, restless love, willing to bear insults, willing to deal with self-righteous rage. And to this son, he invites him in to celebrate, to leave his lostness in the field, and to return to a relationship of joy with his father's. You know, both those boys thought they could find freedom or joy without a relationship to their father. But both of them found themselves enslaved by things that could never provide that freedom and could never provide any of the fulfillment that they promised. I mean, of course they couldn't. I mean, true freedom is living in the place that God made us to live in. I mean, like a fish can breathe perfectly well underwater. What happens if you want to give that fish some freedom? Take it away from being locked into that watery world and drag it up on shore so it can breathe the free air. It's not freedom at all. It's not freedom at all. Trying to leave what God's called us to doesn't lead to freedom. It just leads to slavery. 
You know, as you hear this story, you look at this father and you marvel. What father would ever love like that so selflessly? Jesus wants us to ask that question so he can answer it for us. He said, your heavenly father. Your heavenly father. And that's something we need to know because Jesus knows that we're going to be looking in the mirror tomorrow morning and on some days we're going to see the younger son covered in the filth of the pigsty. And we'll ask ourselves, how did I get here? And in other days, we'll look in that same mirror and we'll see the second son staring back at us with his selfishness and his self-righteousness. That's Jesus, why he wants us every day to look up and see the father, the one who runs to us. The father running to his lost son and throwing his arms around him. The father running out to his other lost son who never left and pleading with him to come in. We might have gotten lost by running away from home. We might have gotten lost without ever taking a step. But we have a father whose restless love will not stop pleading, will not stop searching, will not stop seeking until we come home and join the celebration. God grant it. Amen. Amen.